0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. and We lied to them during recruiting. or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, You know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like the 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 team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. About From now on it's first, okay? Uh, yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that <laughs> <my> dog. <laughs> Hey! 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 Hey, hey. Damn hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And today is a big day on the SEC calendar because it's the opening day of SEC Media Days 2021 from Hoover, Alabama, the unofficial kickoff. Yeah, I know you diehards listen to this show. It's always SEC football time, but it just doesn't feel like it's really right around the corner until SEC media days arrives, and here we are. The countdown, we're under 50 days, closing in on 45 days until the first Saturday of the SEC season. Of course, Tennessee, I mean, it gets underway even sooner because they're playing on Thursday. So. Man, this is, uh, aside from football season, this is the best time of the year. Everyone's feeling great, undefeated. Nobody's lost. You know, dreams are still there to be realized for all 14 SEC football programs. And this is just going to be an SEC Media Days preview show. If you missed it over the weekend, I put out my official ballot for SEC Media Days. That's going to be at the tail end here. That's kind of what I'm going to cover. But before we get to that, just wanted to run down the list because uh, since we've last recorded, the SEC has announced all the players that will be in Hoover. Slight change this year for media days. Usually it's three players with the coach. This year it's only two. I don't really know if that's uh, because of COVID, but I do know that the, the SEC is being cautious about it, not handing out as many credentials as they typically do. And they often, if you want to go to media days, let's say you cover the Auburn Tigers, they usually let those guys, and I'm speaking about beat reporters and things of that nature, they usually let just let them come for all four days. But uh, it's my understanding this year, beat writers will only be credentialed for the day that their team is there. I don't know how it's going to work out, but media days is, uh, you know, it's still going to be, Just as good as ever. We're going to have all the coaches, all the players meeting. This one just may be a little bit different than what we're used to seeing. But enough about that. Let's get into uh, who's going to be there. Rundown. You know, of course, we announced all this when it happened, but that was so long ago. Could use a refresher. Monday. Today's Monday, July 19th. First day of SEC Media Days action. We're going to have Florida, LSU, and South Carolina kicking off the event. So let's run down the players that are going to be there for each team for Florida Gators only team sending two players from the defensive side of the ball. They're sending Zach Carter, defensive lineman and Ventrell Miller linebacker to be there with Dan Mullen here on Monday. LSU at Orgeron. He's taking offensive lineman, Austin Deculus and defensive back, Derek Stingley Jr. And then Shane Beamer, taking Kingsley and Igbari defensive end and Nick Muse tight end. So that'll be your group of players and how we're going to do it. This podcast kind of like we've done it in uh, the the years before. So we're going to Tuesday's show will mainly be just about those teams recapping, you know, the highlights of what they had to say and things of that nature. Now, of course, if there's any viral comments and all that, We'll we'll jump all over that, regardless of who the teams are. But uh, then on Tuesday, so on Tuesday we'll have a full recap of anything and everything said regarding Florida, LSU, and South Carolina. You better believe there's going to be a ton of content. And then on Tuesday, July 20th, we got Georgia, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. So that's going to be a hell of a day. And Kirby decided to take J.T. Daniels, quarterback. And Jordan Davis, senior defensive lineman. So star-studded group there for the Bulldogs. Mark Stoops, he's bringing Darian Kennard, their outstanding offensive tackle, and Josh Paschal, defensive end. Good group there for the Wildcats. How about this? For Ole Miss, he's bringing Matt Corral, star quarterback, and Jalen Jones, senior defensive back. And then last but not least, Josh Heupel's bringing Valuse Jones, Jr., receiver and defensive back Alante Taylor, so that'll be a great day. And again, so those that's on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we'll just recap everything those guys had to say. And on Wednesday's action, July 21st, we got Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. And uh, Nick Saban is bringing Fadarian Mathis, defensive lineman, and John Menchie, receiver. Mike Leach is bringing Aaron Brule, the linebacker, and Austin Williams, the receiver, Oh, Jimbo, he's bringing uh, heavy with the trenches here. Kenyon Green, offensive lineman, and DeMarvin Leal on the defensive line. Vanderbilt's Clark Lee's bringing offensive lineman Bradley Ashmore and defensive lineman Davon Davis. So there's your group for the third day. And then the last day is going to be on Thursday, July 22nd. We got Arkansas, Auburn, and Missouri. And Arkansas is bringing offensive lineman Myron Cunningham and outstanding linebacker Grant Morgan. Auburn's taking Bo Nix, quarterback, of course, and Owen Popo, the linebacker. And then Eli Drikowitz is bringing Akeel Byers, defensive lineman, and Chase Cook from the offensive line. So there's your group of athletes that are going to be at SEC Media Days. We're going to be covering that event wall-to-wall all week down in Hoover. So like I said, this is the unofficial start to the SEC football season Media Days. And I think they'll have the official ballot released on Thursday. So we'll probably get that out to you on Friday. But, man, there's a lot to talk about after, you know, I haven't even mentioned this, but, you know, it kind of goes without saying, last year we didn't get media days. So that means for guys like Mike Leach and Eli Drinkowitz and Sam Pittman, this will be their first opportunity, even though they're going into year two. Now, Lane Kiffin, so long ago, you probably don't remember, but he actually attended with Tennessee. But this will be his first one with Ole Miss. And then, of course, Clark Lee, Shane Beamer, Josh Heupel, and Brian Harson. It'll be their debuts as well. So we're going to be hearing from a lot of coaches. We're going to be hearing from a lot of coaches that uh, you know some people may not know a ton about. So it'll be interesting in that regard as well to just kind of see which of these coaches get their message out most effectively heading into the 2021 football season. I just can't wait for the viral comments, and hopefully we can get, you know, Jimbo's going to be asked about probably 50 times about his comments about wanting to kick Nick Saban's ass. So I'll be interested to see if Nick Saban, if he's if he's still got his uh, golfing jokes ready for that one. So, you know, both those guys are going to be asked about that. But it's going to be wall-to-wall action. We're going to have five episodes this week. Covering this SEC media day stuff before anybody asks Shane, of course I've heard this one before he is uh, committed to showing up for these things. So let's hope he's doing it So look forward to that. Hey, what I really wanted to spiel on here about not only just previewing SEC media days, but if you missed it, I put out my official ballot how plan on voting for this stuff My official predictions for the 2021 football season my official SEC predictions a lot of feedback on these. Some people think I'm drunk or high or crazy or what have you, but I'm going to just break it all down, each one of my selections, and we'll go with the SEC East first, starting at the bottom. No surprise, number seven, I got Vanderbilt Commodores. I it down. Just think that, uh, you know, the combination of Clark Lee is inherited and the fact that uh, this is his first go-around as a head coach. It goes without saying, you know, there's going to be struggles. You know, depth is going to be an issue there for the Commodores this season after losing so many players to the transfer portal and, and opt-outs and all that stuff. So uh, Vanderbilt, I don't think you're going to catch anyone not voting Vanderbilt dead last in the SEC East. But, hell, at least they got Ken Seals to build around, and they've got some promising running backs like Davis. They've got some weapons on offense. So they could be in an interesting team. I don't think it's going to be quite the Commodores are not going to be the easy out they were last season, but you got to expect your up and downs for the Vanderbilt Commodores this year. And that's kind of the same deal for my number six team, South Carolina Gamecocks, where, you know, starting to see some people, not many, but some have maybe South Carolina jumping up to number five. Uh, But why I don't really quite see that a lot of it has to do with just, not having a ton of faith in Luke Doty and these receivers, and the basically the the defense outside of that. I know the defense has got a number of uh, talented defensive linemen, and they're bringing in the transfer from uh, Georgia State, led the nation in sacks. So the defense, well, hell, it can't get any worse. It should be improved under Clayton White. But how far can this offense go? The ground game should be outstanding. The offensive line remains for the most part, intact from last season. So they're going to rely on that ground game. Do they have the weapons? Can Luke Doty effectively hurt teams with his arm? Not saying he can't do it, but just haven't seen it. So uh, big question marks there. The schedule in the early part of the year is quite favorable. Uh, I don't think that uh, towards the tail end they're going to have much success. So the key for for Shane Beamer and company is starting out the gate hot. That's going to be critical. Number five. Now, here's where I start to lose a lot of people. Missouri Tigers. M I Z-O-U! I've been trying to just caution people that, you know, I'm not fully bought in on Missouri like a lot of people are just yet. I do think the future is bright under Drinkowitz, but, you know, that's kind of – this goes hand in hand. A lot of Missouri fans really, really took issue with – I put Connor Basilak number 12, in my SEC quarterback – rankings for next season and then they get surprised i've got missouri so low is i mean it kind of goes hand in hand doesn't it if you, i don't think quarterback is necessarily going to be a strength for missouri if that's not a strength they're going to have trouble getting much higher than fifth in the east now and again you compound that by losing larry roundtree nick bolton two of the best leaders in the sec those guys are be incredibly hard to replace. And I'm not just talking production. I'm just talking, uh, you know, the presence in the program and everything that goes with that in the locker room. So Missouri, they've got a critical game here early in the season against Kentucky could go either way there, but Hey, if they beat Kentucky, maybe they'll do a lot better than I'm anticipating they're doing. I know the fans are very fired up. A lot of these transfers, that's a theme I'm seeing with uh, not only Missouri, but a couple other teams where You know, they get these transfers and they think that automatically shores up the deficiencies, but it just doesn't always work out that way. You know, year one transfers, you just don't always get the impact you're expecting. I, I think a lot of those guys, it takes until year two to fully make a big impact. But Missouri, you know, the separation here between the number three team and the number five team is razor thin here in the SEC, but. For right now that's where i got it. i got missouri number five in the east number four now here's where i lose other people tennessee vols right. you know they've got a lot more talent than missouri and kentucky they've got more talent than a lot of these other teams in the sec east and but they just have not had the coaching and based on you know what i've read what i've seen and what I've studied of Josh Heupel, I think he's a coach that is certainly going to get more consistent performances out of this Tennessee offense, and that's what's been haunting them, and particularly the quarterback position. So I don't know if they have a quarterback on the roster right now that they can rely on to be some great passer in the SEC. I'm not necessarily taking that leap, but there's been two transfers added to the roster. They're bringing already on the roster Brian Mauer, who Josh Heupel recruited down to UCF. So you know fits his system, and then you got Harrison Bailey, a guy that I was high on in my SEC quarterback rankings because he's got talent, he's got leadership, and he was a pretty touted guy. He was a five-star according to rivals, led his uh, Georgia team to the state championship and then the national championship of high school football. So they have talent. And I don't want to equate Harrison Bailey to Matt Corral necessarily, but both were high school All-Americans. And at this time last year, who in the hell was singing Matt Corral's praises as one of the best quarterbacks in the nation? Insert Lane Kiffin and his coaching, and now all of a sudden Matt Corral, he's on everybody's All-SEC, some All-American list. Coaching changes can be huge for players going from one system to the next. And I think there's potential that uh, Harrison Bailey could be that guy for the Vols this season. And he may not even have to make that big of a leap because of the weapons they have at receiver and running back Vols go pretty deep at both those positions. They've got five to six really good offensive linemen. Now the defense is going to be a disaster, I would think. uh, And they're lacking depth. So Tennessee, some of this has to do with the schedule. They've got six winnable games on that schedule. I really do think that. So, Pull an upset or two, you're at seven or eight wins if you're the ball. So don't be surprised. I'm a lot higher on Tennessee than some people. But, hell, I still got them as about the 10th best team in the SEC. So I'm not saying they're world beaters by any means. Number three in the East, Kentucky. Now, heading into the offseason, I was thinking Kentucky, maybe they could be number two. And maybe they will be. But with so much uncertainty at quarterback, so much uncertainty at the offensive coordinator position, just from an unknown perspective, I think, you know, I've not heard anything bad about Liam Cohen. I actually even know people that uh, coach with him up there during his time at, uh, I don't even know the name of the school, but a, a smaller schools in the Northeast, they rave about the guy. Sean McVeigh apparently raves about the guy. So Kentucky is probably in good hands. And if they are immediately right out the gate with the – offensive line they have with the running backs they have with the defense they project to have kentucky is going to be a dangerous out for everybody everybody not just the teams below them, but i think even the best teams in the sec you can no longer just play kentucky and chalk that up as an automatic w so the wildcats could be a very dangerous team but at this point too much uncertainty for me to put them over number two florida gators Think the Gators are not going to take as far of a step back as a lot of people believe after losing the likes of uh, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Canarius Tony. I'm on an Island on this one, but I think Todd Grantham still is a good defensive coordinator. He's got plenty of talent to work with. There'll be no more excuses. If the defense is poor this year in Gainesville, this will be his last year if that happens. But I think there'll be the strength of the entire team and Emory Jones, you know, go back to the last pod I put him right in the middle of the power rankings because I'm not sure what to do with him but if he can't get it done maybe a guy like Anthony Richardson can so I think the Florida Gators will be leaning on that ground game they'll you know I've got enough faith in Dan Bullen to get the most out of his quarterback position to where they'll make plays they still got a number of guys there to throw the ball to emerging tight end in zipperer who don't forget Brewster I mean hell he may be the best tight ends coach in the nation. A lot of people didn't know who damn Kyle Pitts was this time last year. Not the diehards, but some people didn't. Now he's an All-American. They may have a future stud in Zipper down there in Gainesville. So that just leaves one team in the East. Of course, no surprise. I've been singing their praises all offseason, the Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) Bulldogs, Number one in the East. I think this is going to be a slam dunk selection, and it's not so much that you know, they're so much better than Florida. I got them as the best team in the SEC, not the East, the best team in the SEC. With the combination of what they're returning on offense, led by uh, JT Daniels and some incredible running backs. Hell, they go three deep at running back with studs back there and the receiver position. I know people th- like to think that it's uh, they're a little bit short-handed. That's not accurate at all. They have no problem going five, six deep at the receiver position as well. And that's before, I know the defense, you know, wasn't as stellar as it's been last season, but that was pretty much the case all across college football. So I think the Bulldogs have an elite defense pairing it with, I don't even think they have to be, you know, Alabama 2020 or LSU 2019 on offense. Don't have to be that efficient. But if, as long as they're one of the best in the SEC, I don't think anyone's going to touch them based on uh, just the combo of offense-defense we got there in Athens this year. JT Daniels, finally that guy that's uh, going to be able to push the Bulldogs over the top. I like them to win not only the East, but win in Atlanta. So who are they going to play? Let's jump over to the SEC West. And I've been trying to kind of tease this all offseason and nothing has really changed my opinion to make me think any different, so i got to keep it the same. Number seven, the Auburn Tigers. War damn eagle. Now, before people jump on me, and I I assume they're going to jump on me already just for throwing this out there, but if you throw Auburn in the SEC East, hell, you throw any of these teams at the bottom of the West, throw them in the East, I think they have the potential to finish as high as third in the East. So that's a pretty big jump from seventh in the West to third in the East. But I think that's just the strength of the West this year. I've said it on every damn show. I'm saying it on this one time and time again. I think the SEC West, I mean, I think they could basically all beat each other this year. That And that goes from one to seven. So uh, number seven, Auburn Tigers, a lot to replace there in the receiving core. That's not going to do Bo Nix any favors. We all know how great Tank Bigsby is. But, you know, one thing I've, I never hear people talk about when they're talking about these the best running backs in the SEC. I know he's only played one year, but, hell, the guy couldn't stay healthy. And, I, hey, I hope that he plays every single game, and I'm not wishing injury on anybody. We never do that here on this show, but do we know that Tank Bigsby can stay healthy for an entire season? I don't know. And who do they got behind him? They got Sean Shivers, and then that's about it. So Auburn could be in trouble there in a lack of depth. And they are bringing back most of their offensive line, but the offensive line has been terrible. So, you know, you can't really point to that as being a strength either on the planes. And everybody's singing the praise of uh, Derek Mason and and what this defense has got to work with. But I don't know. I mean, his defenses for the vast majority of his time at Vanderbilt were terrible. And I know he's playing with a different caliber of athlete here at Auburn. I'm not saying the defense is going to be terrible by any means, but, uh, you know, this is going to have to be a team that's led by the defense. They're going to have to win some low scoring games and that's just not the way college football's played this in this era. And they've added a bunch of transfer guys and again, it goes back to what I was saying with Missouri and it's particularly true here at Auburn. You got transfers coming in playing for a new coaching staff with new players in a new conference. It's just not a recipe for success year one. I really don't think so. Uh, this is not an indictment on uh, Brian Harson or anything that he's doing, but I just think the West is going to be that tough. I just don't have confidence in Auburn. I mean, and look at their schedule. I mean, they got two cupcakes coming out the gate, then they go to Penn State. That'll, that could potentially be a make-or-break game because if they drop that one, uh, they've got a really, really tough slate coming right out after that. After Penn State, they do play Georgia State, but then they go at LSU, welcome Georgia, at Arkansas, which I think is going to be a lot better than a lot of people, Ole Miss at home, at Texas A&M. I mean, that's a damn gauntlet right there. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's conceivable they lose all those games. I'm not saying, you know, it's locked that they're going to lose all those, but I could see it. So that kind of all you putting that all together, that's kind of where I have it there. And then number six, Mississippi State, who I think is a again. I think that's an easy pick. Them in Arkansas, a lot of people have them as automatic seventh in the West. That ain't the Mississippi State I'm seeing. Uh, Go back to last year. Last year was so much turmoil. We know they came out the gate red hot, but uh, then the offense cratered. The offense cratered, and the defense held for it. I just have to believe Mike Leach, with his 20-plus years of coaching at a high level, he's got his quarterback. They've got weapons at running back and receiver. They're going to put this thing together. Now, the offensive line could be an issue, but hell, there's some people out there saying uh, left tackle Charles Cross gonna be a first round pick. I'm not sure I'm buying that hype just yet. But you know there is talent on that offensive line. They've got to put it together. If Mississippi State's offensive line is a strength after being a complete liability next year, last season, Bulldogs are gonna be one hell of an out. Particularly if this defense can continue to hold its own. I know they lost Errol Thompson, but they're bringing guys back like Brule and you know their defensive line is. Very talented as well. So I think Mississippi State's going to be one hell of an out this year. I thought about giving Auburn the edge just uh, the fact that Derek Mason has handled Mike Leach's offense fairly well in the seasons they met in the Pac-12. But, hell, I could see Mississippi State even going higher. So that's why I'm giving them the edge at number six. And number five, Arkansas Razorbacks. Another team I've been singing the praises of all offseason. Problem for them, horrendous schedule. I mean, it's... They didn't do much favors. Uh, week two, I've been saying it all offseason. I'm going to stick with it. I think they beat Texas at home. But uh, then two weeks later, we got AM and in, in Arlington, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Auburn in, at home. But uh, then the tail end of the schedule here, at LSU, at Alabama, before getting Missouri to, to close things out, they've only got three SEC home games, and one of them and two of them take place in November. So their first home game in the SEC is October 16th against Auburn. Just an incredible slate here for Arkansas. That's kind of why I've got them all the way down at number five. If they had an easier slate, maybe a little bit higher. But they're just bringing back so much on defense and on offense, and I'm a huge believer, obviously, in K.J. Jefferson. I think the Arkansas fan base has seen that all offseason for me. I think he's going to be a real gamer for Kendall Bryles. Don't forget, you know, people – it's amazing how quickly we forget. But Barry Odom was uh, looking like the assistant coach of the nation after the first month of the season before, as I said was going to happen, the depth on that team. They, Arkansas, making a team go 10-game SEC schedule was just – if there was one team that was totally unfair to ask to do, it was the Arkansas Razorbacks last season. Yet they held their own. They fell apart there towards the end, but they came out – playing tough as hell, and I think they can keep that edge going a lot longer this season. Arkansas's a team on the rise in the West. Don't be surprised if they finish higher than number five. Uh, So that leaves number four, the Ole Miss Rebels. Mack put him number one in my rankings, uh, number one in my quarterback rankings for a reason. He is elite. He may be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, yes, they lost Elijah Moore, but they just picked up Jalen Knox to kind of fit that role. And aside from Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa, who was at Temple, and no one know who the hell that was before they played in this offense, they're bringing back everybody else on the offense, including some very talented running backs. They're bringing back damn near everybody on the offense. I think they're down one offensive lineman. So, and the defense, don't forget, I know it's very easy to poke fun of the Ole Miss defense for and. Rightfully so, the way they played at most of the time last year. But uh, remember, they got Otis Reese back in the lineup. They started playing a lot better. They've got several transfers, either this offseason or the previous one that were ineligible to play last season. That's going to add depth, add some talent to this Ole Miss roster. They had so many super super seniors return. In the bowl game, the last game of the season against Indiana, that was the best defensive performance they had all year. So – you know, you always got to be uh, – you can't go overboard with what you see in a bowl game, but that was a positive sign from the Rebels. So, again, I don't think their defense is going to be elite, but just take a big step forward on that side of the ball, stay as great as they were on offense, and Ole Miss is going to be capable of beating anybody as long as Matt Corral does not throw five or six interceptions. Number three – now, here's here we go. Now, here's where we're going to get tricky because the top three in the West, I really think – any one of these teams can win the division. These are the three that can do it. And, hell, they can even win the conference, even go to the college football playoff. So the separation between three and four is pretty big, in my opinion, in the SEC West. But number three, I'm going Texas A&M. Now I put Hayes King, who we don't even know if he's going to be the starter. I, I think Zach Calzada, if he's the starter, will do well as well, uh, for the Aggies. But this ranking is more about the defense. The running backs, Jalen Watermeyer, Anaya Smith, the weapons on offense that the Aggies have to build upon. This is going to be the, I think, the deepest team of the Jimbo Fisher era. Now, the biggest question mark for me, it's not even Kellen Mond because as great as Kellen Mond was, I think he may have been holding them back a little bit, just a, just a little bit. I mean, he's an all-timer, but as far as pushing the ball down the field and accuracy with his arm wasn't always there if they can get that this year i mean they're gonna be one hell of a team the biggest question mark for me is that offensive line i know they're bringing back kenyon green preseason all-american he deserves that honor but when your team is basically built around the mentality of your offensive line and they hell they got a damn nickname the maroon goon four of those guys gone now can that be reestablished in one off season I don't know. That's tough for me to predict. So Texas A&M, if the offensive line is a strength as well as the quarterback position, Texas A&M is going to win the SEC, at least the West. Hell, they may even win the entire SEC. But I don't know that to be the case, and I don't, I'm don't. i not ready to go that far. So those are two huge question marks for me. But the Aggies got all the other pieces, so they'll be right there in the mix. And then here we go. The eye rolling in Tuscaloosa has begun already disrespected the crimson tide number two in the sec west alabama roll tide i know they got all the talent in the world nick saban always reloads at least that's what they say even though that's not necessarily the case last time i checked about every other year lsu or auburn comes in there and takes their throne so you know let's not act like alabama is uh unbeatable here they they've been known to lose a game or two and i think that's going to happen this year too with uh, you know, a tough uh, slate of games here coming out the stretch with trips to Florida, trips to A&M, they get Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Uh, none of those games are going to be layups for Alabama. So tricky out the gate for the Crimson Tide. And maybe if those games were all coming towards the tail end, I would think Alabama would be in position to just steamroll them because that's – You know, sometimes that's what happens with these Alabama teams, man. Once they get on a roll, that can certainly happen. Historically, Nick Saban's always got his team ready to go right out the gate. But I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Now, I think the defense, they will be. They'll be outstanding probably all season. But on the offense, new coordinator, new offensive line coach, several new offensive linemen, several new starting receivers, new starting running back, and, of course, new starting quarterback. How can they come out the gate and just be as ridiculous as they were last year? I just don't see it. So, I think uh, there's a loss or two there in Alabama's future. I got them number two. So, that just leaves LSU. Go Tigers. That's going to be my surprise here in the SEC this year. Last year, just disastrous. Five and five record. We all know what happened. But it really started preseason camp and then into that week one game. There was a lack of focus from the – Coaching staff, lack of focus from players, guys opting out, team captains deciding in the middle of the year to quit, elite freshmen quitting, (laughs) heading into the Alabama game. I mean, it was just a fucking disaster for LSU last year. Who's going to – Who's got more to prove in the SEC than LSU? I'm seeing all these coaching. You know, I'll go on a little tangent here. I'm seeing all these coaching lists. Jimbo Fisher better than Ed Orgeron in basically every ranking. And that's not to. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jimbo, but are we forgetting Coach O? You know, we get so swept up in what's just happened. But hell, two years ago won the national championship, and a lot of people say, well, hell yeah, that was a one-year wonder. All that. I'm. am not buying that. At LSU, his record's forty-five and fourteen, brother. So, forty-five and fourteen. I'll say that again. I mean, he has been elite at LSU, outside of last year. Obviously, was a was a disaster, but he's got a winning record over top ten opponents. He's got. He's twenty and fourteen against top twenty-five. He's twenty-two and six at home. I mean, it, it, Coach Ed Orgeon is a hell of a coach. Uh, let's just not have one season ruin his mark and. Jimbo I know he's, he's won a national championship too but that was so long ago it's it's almost like it's hard for me to count that towards his see coach ranking in 2021 uh, unless yeah you're gonna completely overlook 2019 in favor of what was it 2013 I mean that was so damn long ago so Cocho is a lot better coach than he's getting credit for last year didn't show but I think this offense is ready to explode nearly everyone's coming back the quarterback position you know I've been very clear hell I put Max Johnson number two on my quarterback list I think he is going to be the breakout star in the SEC but even if it's Miles Brennan he is outstanding last year too in the limited action he got in there so I think Miles Brennan is a solid option Max Johnson budding superstar and the defense has got so much talent didn't show last year get rid of Bo Pelini hell that's probably good for two or three wins right there for the LSU Tigers getting rid of Bo that may have been the move in the offseason I like the way LSU structuring their defense moving forward Durante Jones is going to handle those defensive backs Ed Ogeron is going to handle the defensive line and their new linebackers coach Baker going to handle that unit people singing the praises of uh, the transfer they got Mike Jones I've even seen him in preseason All-American I won't go that far but we know the talent LSU has in the secondary. They're bringing back the entire starting defensive line. This is going to be a hungry team. And I think LSU, they host A&M the last game of the season. That's big. They have to go to Alabama. The last time I checked, last time those two faced off in Tuscaloosa, LSU came away with the win. So I don't think uh, they're going to be scared of Alabama wherever that game is played they're one of the few in the sec that can say that so that's my big leap of faith could blow up completely in my face but again lsu alabama texas AM and m could really see any of those teams winning the west this year i just think uh, lsu has got more returning production than both of those teams only team with more returning production in the sec than lsu's Ole miss and that's a big reason why i got old miss number four so there are my SEC predictions for 2021 and man the hate is flying in <laughs> and I appreciate it man I I love the passion out there the SEC fan base it's fantastic and that's why I don't know if you guys even know this but there was Big 12 Media Days last week who in the hell the only thing I heard to come out of there was horns down was somehow illegal now that, that's your story out of media days we're going to blow that out of the water On Monday from SEC Media Days, I guarantee it. So, hey, stay tuned for the rest of the week. Cousin Shane back on the line. We're going to be breaking down all the action from Hoover and SEC Media Days 2021. Thank God it's back. Four days of action. You're going to get five pods this week to keep you guys up to date on anything and everything happening down there from SEC Media Days. But that's going to do it for this one. Appreciate y'all hanging out. Let's get ready for some football. Dan and Hoover from SEC Media Days. Catch you on the next one.